Hey again, Pastor Susan. Hey, Pastor Joel. Welcome, Sunnyside listeners. Here we are in the book of Acts. Hey, we've made it to Acts. Um, Acts is fun and convicting, like all at the same time. Uh huh. It is so cool. I have a friend who attends a church actually called Acts 29, intentionally okay. one chapter longer than the, the book of Acts includes, right? Because it's they're trying very hard, you know, to in aspiring to be the church filled with the Holy Spirit that is today, like that continues to live like off the page, right? And mm-hmm. um, I think about that often when I think about the book of Acts, because it is, you know, the early stories of testimony of how the spirit filled the church and worked in really powerful ways, how they organized what they, mm-hmm. what their goals were, how they learned to be faithful. Right. I mean, we're talking about a group of people who had no best practices. Like, uh, that's not quite true. I mean, they had the temple, they had synagogues, Mm. they had the body of work that was the Hebrew Bible, but there was no context for what to do with a crucified and risen Messiah. Mm -mm. That was not what anybody expected, right? No. And and so this early church was having to figure all that Mm. out. And and all of the theology Mm. that we're the recipients of, the 2,000 years of theology, is thanks to the faithful work that mm. and foundation that mm. Acts puts and the characters of Acts put down. Mm. Oh, it's yeah, really quite neat. So much disruption. Oh, right? yeah. And yeah, they were trying to find their way. Mm. And it's, yeah, it's fun to walk in their footsteps, because, yeah. I think, because of that. So Acts, as we've uh, referred to, is uh, part two of Luke's uh, history of the church and history of the the, the early Christian movement. Uh, both Acts one, uh, excuse me, both Luke, <laughs> I almost said Acts one. First Acts, mm-hmm. uh, both Luke and Acts are addressed to a, a friend of Luke's called Theophilus, which may well be a real person. It may also just be the title of someone who loves God. Right, mm-hmm. Theo is God and. Phyllis, Phileo, like the city of brotherly love, Philadelphia, is love. And so lover of God, somebody who's reading this book is a lover of God. Um, but uh, Luke, as, as a doctor, sets out to do an, an orderly testimony of all that has gone on. And because of that, Luke, Luke is both a doctor, but he's also an artist um, in so many ways. And we can see that in how like different scholars have tried to see um, there's a formal term known as a chiasm between Luke and Acts. A chiasm, uh, the Greek letter chi is an X. And so like you can see this in poems where maybe line one rhymes with line three and line two is the middle of that. And so there's some scholars who will see some pieces mm. of the book of Acts, some of the beginning rhyming with the end of Luke or mm. the end of the Acts rhyming with the beginning of Luke. Some other folks will see them working in parallel where the beginning of Acts and the beginning of Luke kind of match, where now the church is set free to do the work that Jesus has called the church to do, to embody Christ to the rest of the world. Mm. There's uh, such an artist, such an artist, Lucas. Yep. And such a cool thing for us to think about then, you know, how do we, how do we embody it today? Like what is our parallel, right? In in our lives and how are we called to bear witness today? Right. Because just as the church you were referring to, Mm -hmm. you know, the story of the church has not ended in the book of Acts. We Mm -hmm. continue to live it out. Yeah. We continue to live the weirdest story ever told, right? That we know (laughs) the end of the story and yet not yet, right? right. Um, How do we live the story that where we know the end and we're still writing, you know, being a part of the story being written? 
Right. Spoiler warning. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yep. Exactly. Yeah. So the first chapter of Acts starts um, with Jesus, right? Yeah. It's the, the final farewell of Jesus with the people as he's being received into heaven and really commissions this early church and commissions them um, to bear witness and be witnesses to the whole and reminds them and teaches them that the Holy Spirit is coming. The Holy Spirit will, will come upon them and call them to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. Right. And, and I, I just, it, it gives me no shortage of joy when mm. I see like a beautiful theological moment followed by a parliamentary meeting, <laughs> right? You know, I, <laughs> The early church, even though they didn't know it yet, they were good Presbyterians. That's a nice, <laughs> although, nice in order. Although yeah. they didn't, they didn't select the the replacement to Judas decently and in order. Mm -hmm. They rolled dice basically and cast lots, is, is, is how it's said, mm -hmm. because they trusted mm -hmm. that God was sovereign even over random chance. Mm -hmm. um, but they they thought it was important to have another person to replace Judas. So um, they they ended up adding Matthias to to mm -hmm. the rest of the apostles. Um, and I just, I love that we go straight from seeing Jesus to a business meeting. <laughs> Is it, isn't that how God's work works? God's work and worship works sometimes. Yeah. Go bear witness. Now let's make a plan. That's right. right. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I think, um, you know, from that plan, they move um, into the time when the crowd gathers and Peter addresses them together. And as they begin to testify and as they come together from, from different places and lands, you know, it's so exciting to think about how the Holy Spirit comes upon them and how the Holy Spirit, can, you know, fills them and the, this first opportunity of, of Pentecost being born within them. Mm -hmm. um, this second chapter is one of my favorites um, mm -hmm. in all of the Bible, I think, um, as the as the people gather together and as it describes that early church. Yeah. Again, like after so much disruption, so much change, so much, so much, um, you know, they had that they had to determine for themselves mm -hmm. um, after betrayal and um, disbelief. They come together and they're so committed to learning, so committed to being together, to taking care of each other, to breaking bread together. Mm. I just love this image. It's so easy for me to um, see in my mind what this would look like as they take care of each other and sell their possessions and um, gather together, praising God and enjoying the, enjoying the favor of all the people. What a beautiful, beautiful picture that is. I love that. There was a, just as the church that you mentioned with X twenty nine. There was a campus ministry mm -hmm. that I was familiar with. I was not a part of in uh, my undergraduate called Acts two forty two, which really highlighted those four aspects of what it looked like to build the church. That the church can't just be built on good teaching and prayer. You also need fellowship. You mm -hmm. need to eat together. Mm -hmm. Like these are important things. And I give thanks to God that uh, you know the church I serve, Sunny like values these mm -hmm. things because that's that's what when when you actually like one another you form those emotional mm -hmm. connections along with those spiritual connections that's what leads to you know it being contagious mm -hmm. this faith we share mm -hmm. and you know i mean there's different ways of knowing god but it also mm -hmm. just reinforces like there's yeah. um there are parts of knowing god that that um you know 
God is so vast. We, there are so many different ways of experiencing and knowing God that it's important to to have these different forms. I think about a confirmation student a few mm-hmm. years ago who, when asked, you know, what, what are some parts of worship you value? Why do you want to be a part of Sunnyside? And she said, my favorite Sundays are the sacrament Sundays when we are able to break the bread. She said, because it is so special to to taste and to touch and to feel and to see the broken bread and to hear the, the juice poured. Mm-hmm. Um, that, you know, there are things that happen around the table, ways that we share fellowship together, um, ways of knowing God that, you know, we need that form. It's, it's an integral to, to mm. the practice and the growth of our faith. That's right. And, and if, if our faith is not embodied in that mm. way, if there's not something that we can touch, um, then I think that it, we're all the poorer for it, which mm-hmm. is one of the reasons that that I love um, how Peter reacts to the touch of God's spirit. Mm-hmm. I, I had a baseball coach once who would talk about how when you make an error, uh, when you don't field a ball cleanly or you make a bad throw, you need to stop the bleeding um, where you don't want to just keep, you know, throwing, you know, a bad throw after a bad throw or making bad decision after bad decision. You want to be able to forget what happened and just hear Peter. Peter was like, okay, I denied Jesus, but we're turning over a new leaf as we Christians need to do over and over again. It's a constant call to repentance. Mm. And Jesus, it's not Jesus, excuse me, Freudian slip. Peter, <laughs> uh, Peter here um, is touched by the spirit and he's empowered to do work where he can stop the bleeding, mm. right? Where, where he doesn't feel like he needs to make recompense for his betrayal, he just starts again from where mm-hmm. he's at and mm-hmm. says, I'm going to serve you now, Jesus, mm-hmm. and then speaks powerfully. I, I, I love that about Peter. And we get a number of these Peter sermons in these first few chapters of Acts that are interspersed with other stories. He's busy. He's right? busy. Right, yeah, he yeah. is. Yeah. yeah. And it, it is, especially coming right off of the end of Luke, right? It is interesting to see that juxtaposition. He has learned fully, like, and I think experienced the grace and forgiveness of God and is ready to tell that story, right? Ready to tell that truth. Yeah. Yeah, and, and tells it directly. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking of, um, uh, there's, there's one portion here where he talks about Jesus Christ, who you handed over to be killed. It may, <laughs> it's like, whoa. Uh, and, um, I'm, I'm trying to find it here. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's in chapter 2, verse 23, where Peter's talking to the gathered crowd who see the disciples all talking mm-hmm. in different languages. And yeah, he said, you know, this, this man was handed over to you according to God's plan and foreknowledge and you crucified and killed him. Ouch. Yeah. Right? And, and, and that's, that's pretty direct. Mm-hmm. And, and I wonder if Peter is able to say that because he knows that there's forgiveness even for right. that. Right. One, one more note about Peter, um, and then you know we can 
we can move to another character if you like. <laughs> but uh, thank you for, for your grace here with me and Peter. Um, he, uh, in, in chapter three, um, we see some of what Luke does with the characters here, where they are walking the steps that Jesus walked. And just as Jesus healed the paralytic uh, in Luke chapter, I want to say five, um, uh, the paralytic whose friends dropped him down into the house, so too Peter and John, we're going to, to, to pray, see a paralytic who's asking for, for money, for alms. And, and they say, you know, we don't have any silver or gold, but what we have we can give to you in the name of Jesus Christ. Get up and walk. Um, and just as Jesus was able to heal a paralytic in Luke, so too are Jesus' followers now able to do mm. the same. Um, it's, it's not in Luke, but it is in John, I think, where, where Jesus promises his disciples that uh, greater things are yet to come uh, uh, for for those who, who follow Christ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is you know it inspires um, it, it it inspires me. It inspires action. It inspires prayer. I love that Peter you know so directly goes to the to the man who's crippled. They takes him by the hand and helps mm-hmm. him up. Right. He both gives him that you know, he claims his healing, commands him to walk, and then helps him in that process. So he's really intimately involved. And then I love the response, right, that he, this man doesn't just, you know, slumber mm-hmm. forward, but he right. jumps up, right? right? He jumps to his feet and begins to walk and goes into the temple mm-hmm. praising God. Mm-hmm. And isn't it interesting that that leads then to Peter and John's arrest? Mm. Like, I, uh, there are certain things that theologically I don't always know what to do with. I, I have not experienced in a worship service somebody receiving the miracle of healing. Um, but I, I think I can pretty safely say that you shouldn't then imprison that person. Right. <laughs> if you're claiming to work with God here. Mm. It's maybe not the move. <laughs> yes. And yet you can, I think it's not hard to imagine how threatening that might be, mm-hmm. right? And in a world of um, political turmoil, yeah. you know, where the political leaders are, um, you know, trying to suppress any opposition, someone who has the power to, to heal in a movement behind them, you mm-hmm. can see where there would be the impulse to keep that quiet you know they would want to to shut that down Um, i think it it does beg the question for me you know what you know what do we do with this today right how do we acts 29 this today Mm. how do we continue having the faith the prayer the power of the holy spirit to call forth healing Mm -hmm. in in individuals lives and you know i think i have found um and, you know, I, that I want to continue to live with the hope and I want to ask God to continue to develop my faith, to to have faith, to ask for things right. that look impossible, right? Yeah. And believe that with God, all things can be possible and also live with the answer that we don't always see it in our time, right? right? And I think that's kind of a difficult walk to walk because I, mm-hmm. I want to, I really truly do believe that God can heal and right. that God will heal. And certainly I've, um, I don't know that it's because of my prayer, but I've seen mm-hmm. people, you know, whose lives turn, 
do turn and whose lives are changed. Um, and, and when the answer to prayer is not what we want. Absolutely. We have to, yeah. oh, sorry. We hold that in faith as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's, it, it is, it is letting ourselves off the hook too easy. I think to say that, God doesn't often heal in supernatural mm-hmm. ways, and therefore we will not pray for or ask for it. Mm-hmm. Um, even if when we pray for and ask for it and it doesn't happen, it would be disappointing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still, I think, worth asking. Just in the same way, I mean, I I love my, my daughter. She just turned six, and she will ask over and over again for things, even after we've already said no, because she desperately wants them. And isn't that having faith like a child that mm-hmm. your parents are going to give you good things? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and there's something that we can do. That's the same with God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's right. Mm-hmm. One of the things moving on to chapter four, and again, it continues to talk about Peter and now the apostle John, I, I love that towards the middle of this chapter that as they describe the reaction to Peter and John, that verse 13 says, when they saw the courage of Peter and John realized they were unschooled ordinary men, that they were astonished and took note. These men had been with Jesus. Mm -hmm. Right. And, And that's right. You know, really, I believe that we can be transformed, right? As we are with Jesus. Um, although I believe in education right, and right. Um, I think I work with some extraordinary people, uh, uh, it, is a, it is a great comfort and truth that it isn't in the education or the opportunities that we're afforded, but it's really the power of the Holy Spirit that inspires and speaks mm-hmm. through us. Yeah, there's... Where is it? Uh, I think it's it's Paul in First Corinthians. Let not the wise one boast in their wisdom, mm-hmm. nor let the strong one boast in their strength. Um, and and thanks be to God for the transformation that Jesus brings, because I, mm-hmm. I think that education is one thing, but transformation does not happen just from reading books. It happens from encounter, mm-hmm. from personal encounter and experience mm-hmm. of another person. Uh, and and that that changed these disciples in a way that was clear to those around them. Mm-hmm. Um, so if yeah, if we're going to Acts twenty nine this, then right. how are we changed in yeah. ways that are clear to those around us? And, mm-hmm. and you know, if we're not, what are we doing? Right. And I think that's that's a a good segue into maybe one of the more difficult pieces of this text, and that's the beginning of chapter five, the story mm-hmm. of Ananias and Sapphira where um, Ananias uh, sold a property and then brought back a portion of what was gained and laid it at the apostles' Whoops. feet. Does that mean <laughs> yeah. that, and then after yeah. that, he ends up dying. He ends up being struck mm-hmm. dead by God um, and his wife as well. Mm-hmm. Does that mean that we too will be struck dead by God if we don't sell our houses and bring it to Sunnyside, Pastor Susan? Oh, isn't that a good question? <laughs> Thanks, Pastor Joel. <laughs> uh, Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, yeah, I don't no. think so. Yeah, I don't think so either. Um, but it is like 
you know, but it, again, I think it, it puts the rubber to the road, right? Mm-hmm. And, and sort of tests our faith to say, are we, and, and how are we being honest, mm-hmm. right? right. Um, in the way that, in how do we come with great faith? And what do we lay yeah. at the feet of God for the sake of ministry? Um, mm-hmm. I wonder if maybe the m- most similar, like, parallel in in our time would be bringing children for baptism hmm, that's like, so interesting i've never thought of it before you know I, I i didn't think of it until just just a moment ago as we were as we were thinking through this and talking through this but i i think you know how I, it, there there are some times where you know i i need to ask myself am i willing to give the entirety of my kid over to God to do with what God will do. I mean, that's scary. What if God calls mm-hmm. my children to places that are not safe? Mm-hmm. Um, will I withhold part of that from God? And when I bring my child for baptism, what I'm what I'm saying is like, God, I trust that you will adopt this child as your own, and I trust you with this child. Mm-hmm. But then, if I go and try to do an end around and say, I trust you with this child when they're you know, a baby and I'll get them baptized. But now I kind of want to raise them my own way. I, I, I don't think that we're going to be struck dead. I don't think that God works that way. Um, I, but, but I do think that there's something that we lose. There's a part of us that dies mm. when we say one thing and do another. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. I think that's a, actually a very apt way of describing it. Um, because that is when we lack integrity and don't come with our whole selves, there is a part that is being cloaked and, and in that cloak will not survive, right? Mm-hmm. And so to nurture the whole person, to nurture one's whole faith is to come most authentically and honestly, right. which Anais and Sapphira really did not do, right? Right. Yeah. I mean, like the, the, the one thing that, I, that I'll say about this, um, one additional thing I'll say about this is that it seems like it was the norm when people would offer something. Uh, there was like a, a ritual, it seemed, to lay the money at the apostles' feet, which um, it, it wasn't just a normal offering. It was mm-hmm. like there, there seemed to be something that you were communicating where I am giving the entirety of my profits mm. over. And so you might be reading and being like, well, how are they being dishonest here? And I think the dishonesty came from sort of the implicit thing that they were mm. saying that, okay, yes, I'm giving all of it over. when in fact they, they not weren't. Right. But it is, um, it is after that not long after that, that the apostles get arrested again. Uh, mm-hmm. And and this this seems to, to, to happen in Acts where there is this, this, this great sign and wonder followed by preaching, followed by an arrest. A great sign and wonder followed by preaching, mm-hmm. followed by an arrest. And um, when, when the apostles get, get arrested this time, they get questioned and interrogated by the council. And we see this... Uh, this name that uh, we're, we'll, we'll see again uh, that Paul mentions, named Gamaliel, um, and he's he's someone we see in, in chapter five, verse thirty-four, um, and and he's sort of a voice of reason. He may not himself be a follower of Jesus, but he. I think does take seriously the fact that great things are happening through these um, these apostles. 
Um, and, and so he gets the Sanhedrin sort of all pointed in the same direction that like aren't there to kill the apostles. Sorry, we just had like a little malfunction here. I think we're, we're back in action. Great, thanks okay. for fixing that right up. Yeah, yeah. Um, Gamaliel, I think, mm. um, and and he points the Sanhedrin all in the, all in the right direction, um, in a direction that isn't to do away with the apostles, but to mm. be able to like figure out, are these people of God? And if so, let's not fight against them. Mm -hmm. We're fighting against mm -hmm. God. That's bad. That's right. But again, a good example of, again, just as you said, the early church, you know, kind of working themselves out, developing a plan, putting it into action, finding consequences. And here is an example of someone who's, you know, they have teachers among them who are raising up and mentors. Mm -hmm. And it's, you know, this process of the environment of faith is they're, they're working it out, right? Mm -hmm. It's not something they all know, but they're, they're finding their way together. And speaking of things that, that you know, how, how we find our way together, they, the office of deacon is was not something that was a thing before Acts chapter mm -hmm. 6. And the office of deacon, interestingly enough, came out of a disagreement and, and a feeling of, of unfairness mm -hmm. uh, where, you know, the Greek widows were not being cared for in mm -hmm. the same way that, that the Hebrews were. Um, and so the apostles appointed people um, as starting the process of, of naming the offices in the church, that there are those who are going to rule and govern and those who are going to offer compassion, care and, and services of witness and justice. Yeah. Which again, I just love that this text shows that from the very early church that, you know, these were priorities, right? Yes. That they were wanting to have, um, the word of God taught and in, in the focus on the um, exposition of what is the word of God. Mm. And they wanted to have um, those, you know, who were given over to teaching mm. to really be able to, to, to give their attention to that. They wanted to be sure that the, those there's equity among the entire group, right? They wanted to be sure that all were taken care of and that those who had need were cared for. And um, they wanted to designate people for that purpose. Right. Right. And so, yeah, it's again, it's just the process of working it out mm -hmm. among them also that the word of God can spread. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The, um, one of the people who was appointed as this first uh, deacon was Stephen. Mm -hmm. And we, we get to know Stephen quite a bit at the end of chapter six and throughout the entirety of chapter seven, mm -hmm. where he also um, is the first public martyr for uh, the, the, the faith that he shares with the early church. Um, and he, he has a, a fascinating you know, witness that he offers where he takes the whole history of God's people and shows how over and over again, God's people have resisted God's call mm. toward grace, toward justice, toward God. Which is a great text to read after finishing Exodus, right? Mm. And reminding us of like the, the whole story of the, the Hebrew people and the struggle through the wilderness and the time and time again, mm. Um, the both the rejection of God and the new in the ways that they had to come to find God and the profession of faith. Right. Right. I have in my notes that um, Stephen's speech cites the Hebrew Bible 30 times. Wow. Like 
good grief. He these, knew what he was talking about. These right? folks know their scripture. Yeah, pretty amazing because they didn't have a book they were handing along, uh, right? That's right? The fact that this is all oral yeah. tradition that they were so well-schooled in. Well, it's really meaningful. As we um, get close to finishing our time, I, I, I'd like to go back to the three questions mm -hmm. we tend to end with. I'm curious, what's God's good news for you and what we read today? Mm. No, I think um, these texts and the you know the early story of Pentecost, the story of the church who comes together and the way that they commit themselves um, to faith through the breaking of bread to prayer. Every time I hear this and read this, it is a fresh good news mm. um, that I feel that God calls us together. And then the Lord adds to their number. You know, again, it's not something that we do, but right. what, as we live our faith out, That's right. God's spirit continues to call and we bear witness. That's right. Yeah, Pastor Joel. Um, I think that uh, God's good news that no matter even though the early church didn't know what they were doing, they couldn't mess up the plan. Mm. God's plan gets worked out. I love that. Yep, I do too. What about a word that resonates with you? Uh, Pentecost. Mm, yes. Love the coming of the Spirit. Yep. And you? I think, you know, I, now I'm choosing a word that it's not even written in the text, but deacon, right? Mm -hmm. I, and again, the organizing of those for the compassion and the good works of the church, I think I love way in particular that you're going to live differently because of this text? You know, I think it inspires me truly to live with rejoicing because mm -hmm. of the reality that, um, you know, the apostles weren't perfect and the good news called them forth and they continue to bear witness. And that brings me joy. Mm -hmm. So rejoicing. Mm -hmm. Pastor Joel, you? I, I want to be willing to try things that mm -hmm. may not have institutional, like, precedent, mm. right? Mm -hmm. I, I very focused on what can be done by an institution, but like these folks didn't have that. Mm -hmm. So anyway, grateful for your time, Pastor Susan. Yeah, thank you, Pastor Joel, and for all of our listeners. It's been good to be with you. We'll look forward to being with you again after Christmas. Yeah, we'll talk then. Take that.